Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. We are two days away from the Saints week two game at Bank of America Stadium against NFC South foe, the Carolina Panthers. Both squads are 1-0 and both with new QBs at the helm. Lots of good storylines heading into this one. Jennifer Hale, Fox Sports sideline reporter, will join John DeShazer and myself to break all of it down as Jen will be on the sidelines this Sunday in Charlotte. Before we get to the fun stuff, Thursday's injury report was a long one. We saw some injuries during the same season opener against Green Bay. Center Eric McCoy going out early with a calf injury, being replaced by Cesar Ruiz, who seamlessly filled in. However, the list continues to grow. On Thursday, linebacker Quan Alexander did not participate with an elbow injury. Defensive end Marcus Davenport, a shoulder. Defensive back CJ Garner-Johnson, limited participant Wednesday, did not participate Thursday with a knee injury. Linebacker Chase Hansen, also DNP with a groin. D-end Tano Passignad did not participate with a calf injury. Linebacker Pete Werner, a DNP due to a hamstring. Corner Marshawn Lattimore limited with a hand injury and defensive back PJ Williams limited with a back injury. Yes, that is eight defensive players who either did not participate or were limited in Thursday's practice. Something to watch as we quickly approach Sunday's matchup in Carolina. To help us break all of that down, dive into these injuries, the Saints, and their week two matchup, we bring in my colleague John DeShazer and Fox Sports NFL reporter Jen Hale. Jen, how are you doing? Thanks so much for having me, Erin. I'm great. I'm so excited about this matchup. Believe it or not, it's been two seasons since I've had the Saints. My crew just never got assigned to them. So I'm really excited to get to cover the team and um, get, get an up-close personal look. It's, it's, I've missed them the past two years. Yeah, how much do you enjoy being able to cover the Saints, a team that you've followed pretty much your whole life? I love it, but it's an emotional roller coaster because, of course, you are so close to the program, especially given everything with the Pelicans and and uh, being friends with Miss Gale and uh, you know your your coworker JD. He's like family, so it's 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 fun. But but there's so much more emotional investment than when it's two teams that you have no connection to, no ties to. You're just you're just completely um, out of the loop on those two. But we're going to put a screeching halt right here because we we buried the lead. Okay, well, first, you know, Jen is a personal friend. She's like my sister, so I love her. And um, <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. This cover girl thing. Where are you at, magazine? And, and, and wait. And, and now, now I tease, I tease, folks, but Jen does such great work um, with her with her foundation, Sideline Pass. And that's one of the reasons, um, obviously, that, that they chose her to be a very, very fitting and worthy uh, cover story. Uh, so first, give us a little bit about what Sideline Pass has been doing during Hurricane Ida, because I keep reading about it, but I'll let you tell the people about it for yourself. And and second, you know, it's not the first time you've been a cover person, but, you know, we've got to go into this because, you know, now all of a sudden, I don't know if I can speak to you the same way, because, you know, I need to bring gifts when I speak to you now that you've 
you know, this. If there's anybody that will give me grief, JD, I know it's you. And I appreciate that very much. Um, <laughs> you and your wife, Shalanda, you've been awesome um, with Sideline Pass. And, and you know it so well because you guys are there for so many of the events. Uh, basically, Sideline Pass started in 2015. Uh, I used to volunteer a lot with Jonathan. Jonathan Vilma and Pierre Thomas's foundations. And when Pierre and the Saints parted ways, um, he was on his way back to Chicago and, and he said, you know, you should take over the reins and start a foundation. And I said, you know, I'd love to when I retire. I just I really don't have time right now. I'm stretched too thin. And he said, well, I raised all this money here in New Orleans. And if you don't start something and do something with it, I'm going to take it to Chicago. So, of course, that got me. And, and, and here we go. Sideline Pass begins. And it has just been an amazing journey. Uh, so many people have hopped on board and, and pitched in in different ways. Primarily, we're, we're about education. We want to find academically excellent girls trapped in failing schools and put them in a private school where they can flourish and be ready for college. Um, a lot of them qualify for Pell Grants and different funding at the college level. But unfortunately, given some of the schools they're stuck in, they're not ready to succeed the way they should at the college level. So that's that's the primary thrust of the organization. But honestly, you know, New Orleans, there's so many different causes and needs. And one thing Sideline Pass prides itself on, we, we try to be boots on the ground, grassroots. What's going on? What does the community need at the moment? And obviously right now, JD, it's Hurricane Ida relief. So uh, we have been doing um, a lot of things like in the beginning, we were tarping roofs for first responders because they were working double shifts, sleeping at their stations. They couldn't go home to take care of their own homes. So that was something we could do uh, behind the scenes while they're on the front lines. And now that's shifted more into feeding folks. So we had a big uh, hot meal giveaway in Laplace on Monday. We were supposed to go to Homa yesterday, but thank you to this um rain event that we had, we had to postpone it. So next Wednesday we'll be in Homa, uh, 1500 hot meals at Thibodeau Regional Medical Center. We'll be hitting both the hospital workers, first responders group, and then it's open to the public as well. And we'll be giving away water. So if anybody is in need of a hot meal, come on out and head on over to sidelinepass.org to find out more or to donate because that would really help uh, increase the amount of meals we can serve. See, that's why I love her, folks. That's why she is my girl. That's, that's why my, she's my great friend. And I really am. Um, I'm really blessed that she calls me friend because I don't have that kind of energy. I, I don't know where she gets it. Family, J.D., family. Stop <laughs> <laughs> with your family. You can your friends. <laughs> so, so it's hard to transition to football after that because, you know, now I feel like I've, I've gotten all the good stuff out. But, you know, football-wise, having not been on the – on the sidelines last year, or not having had the the connection to the teams and coaches uh, last year that you're accustomed to, how is it to get back into the groove from that standpoint? Yeah, it was weird and rough last season. You felt like you just weren't doing a very good job because you were so separated. And out of any of the positions, play-by-play -play analyst, sideline reporter, sideline reporter is supposed to be the one bringing everybody into the huddle, bringing everybody into part of the experience. And we weren't part of it last year. Obviously, safety first, totally understand, but um, so happy to be back more to normal. Um, I still have to stay six feet apart from players and coaches. So it does make conversation a little bit difficult, say like pregame or halftime postgame interviews. But it's so much better than being in the first row of the stands to get to be back 
um, having any type of contact, seeing the huddle, seeing the interaction, the expression on people's faces. And man, last week was just so much fun to see that stadium. I, I was lucky enough to be in Cincinnati with the Bengals, Vikings and Bengals, because what better game for an LSU person? Um, you had so many alums <laughs> on both sides of the field. And then Joe Burrow having such a fantastic comeback game. Um, Jamar Chase really overcoming all of those questions about his drops in preseason. He was phenomenal. Uh, it, it was it was the perfect way to kickstart the season. And that crowd was crazy. And that game went into overtime. So you even got extra football. Indeed. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And the Bengals won it. As the clock ran out on overtime, you couldn't have asked for a better scenario. That game just had every element. Well, looking into this week's matchup, both teams 1-0, both teams with new quarterbacks at the helm. What are some of the storylines that you're following heading into this one? Yeah, so many parallel storylines, right? It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, well, I think obviously right now for the Saints, the question is availability with this COVID outbreak they're dealing with. Um, they're now in mitigation protocol. So that means even though they're vaccinated, everybody has to test every day um, to go meals. You can't eat together. Uh, mandatory masks at all times indoors. So they're spreading meetings way out. Right now we have six offensive coaches who have tested positive on the Saints. So it's really triple and quadruple duty for those who haven't. I will say one of the things that that um, I think is a bright spot, so to speak, for the Saints, thankfully the quarterback's coach is not among those testing positive yet. And I think that's really important for Jameis Winston to have that steadying voice in his ear. Um, he was – I was so proud of him um, – last game because he made such great decisions. It was a marked difference than what we've seen before. And when he was asked what was his best pass, he referenced one he actually threw away. So he's not trying to be the hero. And and the Saints need to continue that type of mentality because let's face it, the pressure of, hey, I want to win for the city for Ida. And, and, and I want to put the team on my back right now with all these COVID issues and my coaches are out. I want to do it for them. You could see how he could slide back into that man, I'm going to make this happen mentality. Uh, so I think having his quarterbacks coach there on the sideline with him is going to be huge. Um, and then what other players with this daily testing, who actually is out there on Sunday? And you couple that, Aaron, with the injury issues, uh, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have a different face at center, uh, protecting Jameis, giving him enough time. That's a huge one, obviously. Uh, when you get down to the X's and O's outside of that, um, as we mentioned, a lot of parallel things. So you got Alvin Kamara in the run game for the Saints, run CMC, Christian McCaffrey mm -hmm. for the Panthers. This guy does it all, and he looks better than ever. He's back from injury, and he is tearing it up, making up for lost time. It's going to be interesting because both teams have really strong run defense last year or last week, excuse me. Um, so how how much can the each defense shut down the other one's run game? Can they can one defense make the other team one dimensional? I think that's going to be a huge question mark. And then just like we talked about Jameis and the questions, Sam Darnold for the Panthers, he doesn't have the emotional stuff of evacuation, hurricane exile, COVID. Um, but he's still getting his feet underneath him and trying to prove himself. So far, he's looked really good. It looks like this has been a rebirth for him. Um, made a lot of good decisions in that game, uh, in that win over the Jets last Sunday for the Panthers. Can that continue? Can he be consistent? That's going to be a big key. 
what's been the feeling like around the coaching staff and conversations that you've had regarding the, the COVID issue and the injuries? I talked to Sean yesterday and, you know, it's next man up. We talk about that with players and that's what it is for the coaching staff. Uh, they're well aware that they're going to have to work basically around the clock. Uh, there were a couple of, of assistants I was hoping to chat with and um, they said, you know what, literally, we don't have time to breathe or eat or go to the bathroom right now <laughs> because everybody's having to, to take on position groups that aren't theirs. Um, and it's going to be interesting if this current situation holds because, because these coaches have all been vaccinated, if they can get enough negative test results, it is possible they could be back on Sunday. But sure. if they're not, how do you split up those duties on the sideline? You know, when, 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 you're, when your defense is out on the field and your offense is on the bench and normally – each position coach is going over film, going over techniques in his guy's ear. How do you do that now? Uh, there's just a lot they're splitting up and trying to decide what is the best practice, how is the best to do this. Uh, I will say, Sean, as usual, you're not surprised. He sounded uh -huh. good. He sounded confident. He didn't sound stressed. Uh, he is a guy who thrives in these types of situations. So uh, at least mentally, I think he's handling it really well and getting up for the challenge. Yeah, I think he I think he does enjoy adversity. I don't know, you know, I, I can't say honestly that he doesn't. He seems to welcome it and he seems to kind of rise to the occasion. Jen, defensive, I think coming into this season, we all thought the Saints defense would have to be a good unit, uh, would have to pick up some slack. When you lose a Hall of Fame quarterback, obviously you expect the defense to have to play better. And they've shown some flashes of it um, the previous two, three seasons. Uh, but now they look like they're ready to be a consistent unit. Is that one of the things that you kind of come into the season where this defense was going to mentally and physically take that jump because they knew that added responsibility was there? Absolutely. They have to. You know, last season we talked about if the defense can just be middle of the road and hold their own. Well, you don't have Drew Brees. We're going to see if this latest iteration of Jameis can be like he was week one every week. That's a tall task. Your defense has to at least play complimentary football and give you a chance. You don't want any quarterback, let alone Jameis, to feel like he has to go out and win the game on his own all the time. you got to feel like, I can trust my defense to hold him to field goals. Ben, don't break. Um, the injury situation is certainly a concern for the Saints right now. My gosh, so many out with injury. Um, we're going to see those cornerbacks and those safeties. What does that secondary look like for the Saints? You got Bradley Roby making his debut. Thankfully, that's coming along at just the right time, given the other injuries to PJ and Marshawn. Um, how fast can he assimilate? Wednesday was his first practice. What? How, how much can he jump in? What's going to help him? course he's an Ohio State guy so he's got a lot of connections here on the squad and in the offseason he at least works out with some Saints players in that in that offseason workout group so there's some familiarity uh, but it's going to be trial by fire for him he's going to have to play and he's going to have to play well right off the bat you know, one guy who didn't practice yesterday I, uh, hopefully he'll be ready for the game Quan Alexander an LSU guy then you know I called him the Wolverine now because he's coming back from you know torn Achilles and whatnot uh, but how impressive is it, I guess, to see him make that comeback that soon? And how critical is it to have a guy of his caliber, I guess, especially in this kind of game? Because at some time, these linebackers are going to be caught one-on-one -on -one with Christian McCaffrey. And he's one of the few people who might be able to handle that duty. 
I think he can handle it. I have seen him season in and season out, J.D., just slice up defenses. He he is so shifty and so fast. You think he's small, but he does all these martial arts and um, MMA training in the offseason. Man, he can elude a tackle. He can break a tackle. It is going to be a huge challenge for this Saints defense, that, that front line of defenders. Um Hopefully, Quan will be able to sustain the progress we've seen. We see so many guys now coming back faster from these injuries. Um, and, and you just hope it's it's really solidified that it's all the way healed and they don't retweak something uh, because certainly the Saints desperately need his presence, his veteran leadership, um, as well as his, his familiarity with the system and, and with the NFC South because uh, run CMC, he is a challenge week in and week out for every defense and he's just mentally on another level and he's he's almost angry right now because he feels like he has time he wants to make up for lost time jen what do you see in this south division this season i mean obviously the super bowl uh, not even having won the division last year and yet of course the buccaneers have to feel like they're the cream of the crop in the division this year so that means everybody else is kind of fighting to see who can get to the top the remaining three teams saints uh, Panthers um, and also Falcons, who really took it on the chin the first week. <laughs> but you know, those three teams, or maybe even the four teams, which way do you see this thing kind of shaking itself out and, and sorting itself as the season progresses? Well, let's start with the Falcons. So I had them for preseason, and I was shocked at the way they got drummed in Week One. I didn't know if they would win, but I certainly thought that Dean P's defense would look better. Uh, I do think that's obviously the team with the most room for growth because things just have not clicked in any facet for them. And you have to think at some point those pieces are going to start fitting together better. Um, Will they be a contender? No, I don't think so. But I do think they could have a surprise game here or there and that they're a team you can't sleep on, especially if you're a team like the Saints or the Panthers where you're a rival in their division because the, the Falcons would love to be able to have that notch in their bedpost, so to say, that they knocked off one of their division rivals. Um, as far as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, I have to say, I, I, I haven't always been the biggest Tom Brady fan. <laughs> and man, they just looked phenomenal week one. Um, I really figured there would be some sort of championship hangover, some sort of, you're returning every starter. Okay, now guys, they want theirs. They want their recognition. They want their payment. They made it. The same hunger isn't there. At least in week one, it sure looked like it was. Um, they just keep seeing, seeming to defy expectations and logic. And I guess I have to give hats off to Tom Brady for stoking that fire and keeping them going. Um, I will say it's interesting because usually Tom Brady teams, they're just marginal at the beginning of the season. And then you see him flip that switch at the end. Uh, at least against the Cowboys, they seem to be all systems go. Can they sustain that through the season? That will be interesting to watch. Uh, at some point, you got to figure there's going to be a, some let off, a little adversity. How do they respond when you do have that championship ring on your finger? And there's probably a little bit more swagger there. Uh, that is certainly something to watch. I have to say, I, I was talking with the GM um, of an unnamed team because I don't want to sell them out. Uh, not the Saints. But he said, and I agreed with him, he thought the Saints had the most interesting upside uh, this season if Jameis can put it together and if the defense can play complementary football. Uh, I don't think it's a – for so many people that I talk to across the country, 
they kept referring to this as the Saints rebuilding year, kind of like it was a foregone conclusion that the Saints weren't going to be in the playoff picture and it was going to take several years to get this thing back on track. I don't think that's necessarily the case, and neither did this opposing GM. Um, he has the Saints circled as his, his top concern in the division. I'll put it that way. And, and I, think, I think from what we saw week one, if that can be sustained, that is definitely true. Jen, you mentioned earlier about the run defenses of both these squads, the Panthers and the Saints. That last week, Jameis Winston did not have any sacks. He was able to keep his jersey clean the entire game. The Panthers, however, in their last game against the Jets, they had six sacks, 10 quarterback hits. What are the odds that Jameis keeps his jersey clean again this weekend? I think that's going to be a much taller task. I, I, I don't <laughs> see it happening, especially considering the question marks at center and where, what the Saints are going to do there. Again, probably going to take a little bit of time to gel. You don't have your full complement of offensive of offensive coaches out there on the field. That's that's a tough selling point. Um, Aaron, you're right. The Panthers six sacks last week. Uh, just to give you an idea of how much improved that is, it took them until week seven last season to have six sacks. So, man, they hit the ground running. I really like Matt Rule as a head coach. He, he, he's going to be special in this league, I, I think, for a long time. He has such a tremendous upside. I think he's just getting started, just, just beginning to roll and really put his stamp and his mark on this team. So um, I, I expect the Panthers to have a really promising season and, and do a lot of good things. And it starts with that defense and that defensive line. They're going to be coming for Jameis. They're going to be coming for Alvin Kamara. Uh, if they can make the Saints one-dimensional, they're well aware of this. They've been talking about it all week. If they can make the Saints one-dimensional and keep pressure on Jameis, they think that's how to mentally break the Saints and flip that switch. Uh, so that that is factoring in heavily to the Panthers' game plan. They will be gunning for him. Definitely a lot of good things for us to look forward to and to watch. Thank you for all the insight. Really appreciate having you on. Oh, my pleasure. Love visiting with you guys. Great stuff from Jen, as always. Really looking forward to her coverage this weekend in Carolina and, of course, throughout the Pelican season as we are quickly approaching basketball. Yeah, I feel like the NFL just got here, but the basketball is right on its way. Lots of things going on as far as the Pelicans go. Media Day will be coming up at the end of September. We're going to have some preseason games and then things get started as we roll into October. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're waiting for the Saints to get back to the Superdome. In the meantime, you can keep up with everything New Orleans Saints on our website, neworleansaints.com. Follow our podcast on Apple Podcast. Hit us up. On Twitter, please, at Aaron E. Summers. Let me know what you guys want to hear, what you like, what you don't like. I definitely want to hear from you guys. I am here for you. And of course, because we all love the Saints. Thank you so much for listening this week. It was a pleasure for John DeShazer. I'm Aaron Summers. See you guys next week.